With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. HN Podcast, Miller and Day is going to talk about the weekend that was in the Big Ten and around college football. Uh, man, there's a lot that took place this weekend on and off the field that we have to discuss. Let's quickly get through the Big Ten games. Um, you know, the big one, the marquee game, what I thought was basically the de facto Big Ten championship because I'm not all that convinced in Wisconsin. We'll talk about them in a second. Ohio State with a comeback against Penn State. Your thoughts on that game? Um. I was shocked that Penn State got off to the quick start. The look on Urban Meyer's face when Bar- Saquon Barkley returns at opening kickoff, classic. Just, he had that, you had one job. Don't kick it to 26, <laughs> look on his face. Um, then Ohio State does exactly what I told you last Thursday. I feared they would do, for them anyway, which is come out, play man across the board like Michigan did, and let Trace McSorley just drop that ball in there down the field. What I think you want to do with Penn State is try to make them play you straight up as much as possible because they're an interesting team. They might have the best collection of skill talent on any team in college football this year that I've seen. But their offensive line is not very good. Right? They are the classic team. They're the college football version of what we see every March. The, the team with the all-American point guard and the six-seven center. And if if you're the if you're the team that has the powerful front court with a really good point guard, you blow that team out. But since very few teams have that team, they can make a huge run in the tournament because it's a guards game. So when you're so elite at the skill positions, even when you lose at the line of scrimmage, if the other team does not get home. You know, we've seen this for going on two seasons now. McSorley just throws the ball up downfield. One of their guys goes and gets it. Touchdown. Right. We saw that on Saturday. What changed is Ohio State decided, you know what? No more gimmicks. We are better than you. So we're going to make you prove you can go 75 yards and eight plays rather than two. And when they made that change, then it became the game I kind of thought it would be where we both took Ohio State and the seven points and we laid them. Then it became the game I thought it was going to be. And Penn State's offense, particularly the last two drives, Ohio State decided, you know what, maybe we Nick Bosa and these guys, we were Sam Hubbard and these guys, they're going to be first-round picks. Maybe they don't need help, so let's just turn them loose, sit back, play seven in the back end, and, and let's see if Penn State can truly block us. And they couldn't. And then JT Barrett played probably the best game of his entire career was absolutely on fire, answered a lot of doubters, probably guaranteed himself a trip to New York in the Heisman ceremony. 
if, if Ohio State makes it uh, to Indianapolis. And he just made some throw. He threw some dimes, man. He, he did what we've not really seen him do in his career in a big game. Throw the ball downfield, not you know swing passes and and you know uh, you know bubble screens that go for big plays when a guy breaks when Curtis Samuel breaks a tackle or t- or outruns the angle. He made some pro throws and played the I think the best game he's played as a Buckeye. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I don't think there's any doubt. Um... And for Penn State, their season's basically over. I think. I do. I, I think. And I think they'll win out, but I think they've already done the whole Rose Bowl thing. You know, this was playoff or bust, I think. And I think their season is basically over. I I, I think it's going to take a lot for them to get an at-large berth. Now, I think they have a better chance than, say, the loser of the SEC championship game. And here's why. Because when you already had two teams play each other on a neutral field, then it's 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 kind of difficult to say one of them didn't get their chance. You know, um, the reason there was controversy about Alabama and LSU, Michigan and, and Ohio State, no six Alabama, LSU. I think that was in was that 2011. And there may be controversy about Penn State, Ohio State is, you know, you're playing a game at somebody else's site. In Michigan's case, they had to play at Ohio. Now, in Alabama's case, they had LSU at home and still lost. So I would give Penn State, slight, uh, the Big Ten, a slightly better chance to get two in than I think you'll see with Alabama or Georgia for that reason. But I think you're going to have a really difficult time saying that a team that didn't win its own division not only gets in over its own conference champion, but other conference champions – and they don't have a marquee non-conference win like Ohio State had last year. Right. I think that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, and Penn State's scheduled the rest of the way. They're at Michigan State this weekend, then Rutgers, Nebraska, and Maryland. So there's just not going to be any support for them there. So, yeah. And I'm think- telling you, that, remember we talked about, you know, team, and that's a team I want to play in a bowl game, by the way. Oh, sure. I, that, that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, that's the team that will not want to play – they will not want to be there. Saquon Barkley, don't be surprised if he says I agree. Not in the bowl game. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. Wisconsin beats Illinois 24 to nothing. And, you know, I tweeted this this weekend and got a lot of blowback from people saying, well, here's what I said. I, I said, I, I think Wisconsin's one of the most overrated teams in the 24 country. 24 to 10, actually. Yeah, dude, what I say? 24 nothing. Oh, yeah, 24-10. I, Wisconsin's one of the most overrated teams in the country. And I had a lot of Iowa fans come at me saying, well, don't say that because they're just like 2015 Iowa. And my, 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 my comment to that is, no, they're not. 2015 Iowa at this point in the season, Wisconsin's 8-0. When Iowa was 7-0 in 2015, they'd beaten two ranked teams on the road mm-hmm. at that point in time. Wisconsin hasn't played a ranked team and unless Michigan gets back in the rankings, they will not play a ranked team the entire season. This is a, you know, this BYU team they played on the road, and they, they couldn't control this. It's the worst BYU team maybe of our lifetimes. Um, maybe of all time. Yeah, maybe, maybe of all time. They're one in six. They're one in six. Yeah, maybe right. the worst team in school history. No question. So, I'm sorry, I, I don't see when you look at the innards of the schedules that Wisconsin 
2017 and uh, Iowa 2015 have anything near the same type of schedule. Now, Wisconsin will get their chance to be likely beat or you know play in Ohio State and, and and measure up. And if they win that game, then you know I reserve the right to change my opinion at that point in time. But man, they should they they should be housing in Illinois. And I listened to that game. I drove up to Kansas City this weekend. And I listened to the Wisconsin-Illinois game all the way up. Um, 303 total yards. Now, they didn't have their their stud tail back for three quarters. I can't remember if he got hurt or not. But, man, that's just – they've been winning a lot of games like this. I guess, you know, just there's not really any style points. And they're not looking like a team that's top five in the country, in my opinion. No, I think when the rankings come out tonight, they'll be the big story, I believe. As in how low they're ranked. There's no quality wins there. There's no chance for a quality win there um, until Indianapolis. From a playoff perspective, I mean, Iowa will be is a good team. Not great, but good. But what I mean quality is worthy of putting you high in the rankings. Right. Their only chance to get one is they need Michigan to win the next two games and be going into that game at 8-2. and two. Um, But... For Mich- for Michigan, they're not just going to have to be able to win those games, but they're going to have to play more impressively. And that's a double-edged sword for Wisconsin. Because if Michigan's playing better impressively, it means they may have at least finally figured out how to get competent quarterback play. Well, if you're Wisconsin, you don't want to see that because Michigan is basically playing your style of football with better players. Your advantage in that game was they suck at quarterback, you get that guy on the road – put them in a phone booth where they can't run the ball and win the game 20 to 10. If you got if Michigan goes in that game now and they can actually throw the ball at least competently. Well, now, now your real problem is they got better players than you do. And that starts to look like last year's game when you played your ass off and still lost the game by a touchdown. So I, I, I think they've got to go undefeated. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And then I think even if they do go undefeated and win the big 10, I bet you they're the fourth seed because of that schedule. Because they're not being impressive in that schedule right. either. Their schedule, frankly, isn't that much different than Alabama's. Florida State doesn't look like that big of a win now. Now it did at the time, and to give Alabama credit, they're the ones that knocked Florida State's quarterback out for the season, right? But that's it. That's their whole schedule for Alabama right now until they play Auburn at the very end of the year. So their schedule's not that much different. But when you watch the games, and the right. staff at the playoff committee has shown that there's some trends to watch. The, the, with the playoff committee, just like you see, we've talked about this every March at the NCAA basketball tournament committee. What they prioritize changes depends on the committee, but the constant is always how you perform out away from your own gym. That's always a big thing. Who you beat away from your own gym. What we've seen the first three years in the college football playoff rankings, we've seen, for examples, that big wins matter more than, you know, mulligan losses. We've seen that. Head-to-head matters an awful lot. We've seen that. Something else we've seen an awful lot of is a stat called game control. It has become college football's war stat, wins against replacement, meaning, and that's where they're trying to figure out not just who you played, but how you played. Did you dominate these teams? They're not dominating a lot of these games. I mean, they, they beat a terrible Illinois team 24-10, to 10, and one of their touchdowns was a tackle eligible. So I'm with you on that. The Big Ten's version of Rasputin uh, has to be Northwestern. 
<laughs> they win again this weekend, double, triple overtime against Michigan State, 39-31. to 31. Uh, Wildcats now have won three in a row, two in a row in overtime against Iowa and Michigan State. And when you look at their schedule the rest of the way and those remaining games for Northwestern, they are a one-point favorite at Nebraska this weekend, which, wow. Uh, home against Purdue, home against Minnesota, and at Illinois. I mean, good shot to go 3-1, and one, not a horrible shot to go 4-0. and oh. Agreed. We've seen this movie before, haven't we? Yeah. This is kind of their MO. Lowly it asleep early on, and then they finish the season strongly. I mean, look at even last year, they were 0-3 and went on to be only the second Northwestern team in school history to win a bowl game. So we've seen this before. You don't give up on a Pat Fitzgerald team. He's a good football coach. He's an even better leader of men, and he just knows how to lead men. He just knows how to, to connect with young men and turn them into grown men. And, you know, outside of Clayton Thorson, who's frankly had a disappointing season, and Justin Jackson, who's the leading rusher in the history of their program, there's really not a lot of other guys on that team that you think is are big all Big Ten candidates. But you, it, when you play Northwestern, you know this. You have to be physically better than them to beat them. If you're not... Then you're going to play a game a lot like what Sparty played. You go up, you get up ten nothing. They tie a war of attrition, and then you just find a way to outlast you at the end. And you know Brian Lewerke has has that it has a, 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 you know 350 passing yards at the end of regulation, and Michigan State only has 17 points, and he didn't throw like three picks because that's what they do. They they specialize in many respects. They're like Iowa. They specialize in winning wars of attrition. They gamble that that they're going to outdiscipline you, that they're they're going to make you crack before they will, and that's actually something that Sparty has done very well so far this year. Is they've been effectively stubborn. They have known they're not a big play team, and they have never even tried to be. The problem is they that they played Northwestern at their game, and Northwestern's just better at it. Yeah, they are at that. Uh, Maryland, how about Maryland? Four and four now, 42, 39 winners against Indiana, and who knows what string quarterback they're on. And they've recruited pretty well there. And for, you know, that, that I wouldn't say the Cavalry's on the way next year, but they've done a good job recruiting. I'm pretty, pretty impressed with what they've done this year, given all the. Uh, I agree. Adversity. I, I agree. You know, they're, they're hanging in there. Now, they've got a game against Rutgers. You think they'll probably win. Although. Rutgers is better, physically better. They're not good. They're physically better. But it's a game against Rutgers. You think they're going to win. And then it comes down to they got Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Can they pull one of those as an upset to get to six? Man, if they get to six, I'm sorry. DJ Durkin's got to be Big Ten Coach of the Year. He has to be. With what they've gone through, and by the way, my best bet over pick win total with that win comes through. I wasn't thinking after Maryland beat Texas the first week of the year, I'd have to wait till the end of October for them to get the over. But that's where all the quarterback injuries have come through. But, you know, I know everybody's talking about Matt Campbell at Iowa State, and I get that. But you look at what Durkin did. He took him to a bowl game last year. If they go to a bowl game again this year with, with that quarterback situation, some of these, particularly SEC schools, where he's got a lot of recruiting um, 
you know, pipeline from his time at Florida when he was the when he was rival.com rivals.com's recruiter of the year. I got to think if he gets him to the postseason again this year with a third, fourth string quarterback, he's got to be getting some calls. He does at that. I don't disagree with you. And Indiana, uh, man, they're just inventing ways to lose now. Just inventing them. They, they somehow they scored they scored ten points on Michigan's defense in three minutes to force overtime, and then lose. They let Sparty score at the end of the game to get the ball back in a slugfest, then lose. They put up 39 points on the road with their improved defense and Maryland playing their fourth-string quarterback, and they still lose. They, they are just inventing ways to lose every week. Indeed. Last Big Ten game of the week, Nebraska with a late comeback. 25-24 winners against Purdue, scoring with, I don't know, 30 or some seconds left in the game, needing a touchdown to win. They did Tanner Lee. 32 of 50 for 431 yards and two touchdowns. Their running game was non-existent at Purdue, um, but they stave off the Wolves for yet uh, another week per, per chance. And, you know, Mike Riley, you and I both think it's probably done for him. Their new athletic director, Bill Moose, was at the game. And Nebraska, I think, the, the, to me, one of the more fascinating stories of this football season involves Nebraska. And what are they going to do? What are they going to how aggressive are they going to be on Scott Frost and trying to get him to be their next coach? Because Florida made a move on Sunday that basically they you know parted ways with uh, Jim McElwain. And now that job's open. And the Tennessee job is going to be open. And I'm, you know, with what Scott Frost has done at Central Florida, I I gotta think that the Florida Gators are going to have him on their short list. I would think I would think Dan Mullen, who was the offensive coordinator for the teams with Tim Tebow there, and has done a fantastic job at Mississippi State. I mean, Dan Mullen and Mississippi State are forever going to be the answer to a trivia question: Who was the first team ever to be ranked number one in the inaugural college football playoff rankings? And it was Mississippi State in 2014. Mm. So I, I've got to think. Because that, that, that kills two birds with one stone. You, you take a guy away from a team in your own league. And you're bringing a guy who has ties to your school, um, has offensive credentials. But you're right, the Frost thing, too. And, you know, you could argue that t- Florida acted rashly in what they did here with McIlwain. Although every time you think, I just can't believe human nature could go lower. A coach faking death threats publicly. I, I just don't even know what to say to that. That's one of the best gifts Florida's athletic department's ever had. I mean, man, Titeo's fake girlfriend called and said, what the hell is that? You go out there and fake death threats? I, I just, wow. Um, so if you think they acted rashly, it makes Tennessee look really weak, leaving Butch Jones to hang on there. There's a new indignity for Tennessee every week. And now if you're a Tennessee fan and Florida's out there doing their coaching search now to try and get a guy in place for that early signing period in December, both Tennessee and Florida right now, according to 24-7 and ESPN, have top 10 recruiting classes nationally. Well, you know, Tennessee's is coming apart. Florida's trying to see, hey, let's see if we can get a new coach in here with enough time to re-recruit those guys and hold most of that class together. It, that's just not a good look for Tennessee all the way around. So 
I think Nebraska was looking like, hey, let's Scott. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Let's Scott Frost go out there. South Florida lost this past weekend. They've got the inside track now on the on the group of on the group of five uh, New Year's Six berth. Let Scott Frost go out there. Let him be this year's PJ Fleck. Maybe they run the table. He's the new hotness. He comes in here. He's a conquering hero, and that way we don't get in the way of of distracting him from his season. Well, I can promise you this: Florida's not going to care about distracting Dan Mullen and Scott Frost from their seasons. All right. You go, you do what you just did to a coach that won 19 games his first two years and had you in the SEC championship game. You're not going to sit around and, and try to keep it quiet for Dan Mullen and Scott Frost. You're going to put those guys on notice right now, which means all the other schools thinking about making a move, Nebraska, Tennessee, et cetera. Time to get on the pot, baby. Uh, you, no more languishing, waiting for the season to play itself out. Because Florida is a much better job than both of you. I think it's one of the five best jobs from a public university standpoint in the entire sport. And I think that there's no reason they won't come away with an A-list coach. No no reason right. at all. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. I'm going to segue here, and I'll get back to kind of the topic we were just talking about. But I, but first off, I want to talk about the um, the feat itself. Iowa State beating TCU 14-7. to uh, the third victory against a top five team in school history. And, oh, it was the second such win in the month of October for Iowa State. Iowa State so oftentimes has gotten close to has gotten c- close to the mountaintop moment only to fall short. Six to two mm-hmm. now, bowl eligible, into the top 15 of the AP poll this week. Very deserving. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal win. You know, and Matt Campbell... I think a lot of his hashtags on Twitter or Iowa State fans change the culture has been a common refrain. You know, kind of like their break the rock or whatever. raise the standard. I raise like that. this, raise the standard, change the culture. Yep. He's done that. He's yep. done it in two years, and it is one. I mean, really, and obviously Iowa State needs to finish. They control their own destiny. Destiny, and wouldn't it be an unbelievable freaking Story, you know, analogous to Hayden Fry taking Iowa to the Rose Bowl in 1981, if he could get them to the Big Ten Championship. And they control their own destiny to do that. Just a phenomenal, amazing job. And I truly am glad for so many of my friends who are Iowa State fans, and yes, I have Iowa State fan friends, who got to finally experience something like that to where it wasn't just a one-off fluke and you were ruining someone else's season like they did against Oklahoma State back in 2011, uh, Nebraska a lot of years ago. This was 
This was an opportunity, a rare opportunity, to advance the brand and take the program that next step. And Iowa State finally sees the day. It's the game they've always lost every yes. time. And they tried. They tried shanked field goals that were basically extra points. Oh, I mean, dude, what did you think when that tried. happened? I, I thought I've, that's why we're Iowa State. Basketball practice started last week. Let's get her going. I mean, that, that you had to think that, you know. Um, you look at um, the, the, the clock management. I, I, God bless Matt Campbell's doing a terrific job. He might be national coach of the year, but that last position of clock management ain't going on Matt Campbell's resume. Tape, I'll tell you that much. Okay. Um, but they came up with the play, the, the two goal line stops. See, that's why I told you last Thursday, I thought they were going to win. It's because they're there. This is different than what, you know, I, I used to, I've said all the time, you need a gimmick at Iowa state. And Matt Campbell's gimmick is he doesn't have a gimmick. The gimmick is expect better, be better, raise the standard. This isn't acceptable. His gimmick is we don't need a gimmick. We just need to, to block and tackle. I mean, that's Mount Union, Ohio, high school, born and bred. They're, they're just not beating themselves. And, and it doesn't require Seneca Wallace throwing across his body on third nine to a walk-on from Grinnell in Kinnick Stadium or, you know, Troy Davis running for 2,000 yards back-to-back seasons or Brett Meyer just lobbed the ball to Todd Blythe and hoped that, you know, the, the first white man that can actually jump goes and gets it. There's no there, – there's – that was a joke, by the way. There, there's, there, there's no gimmick. They just are a solid football team. In fact, you know who they look like out there? TCU. They they just a solid football team. They got a they defense. They, that's my point. They beat TCU at their own game. They beat them at their own game. They are physically, they are they are they are holding their own on both sides of the football, and that's why I think they have a chance. For the first time, I don't have a rake your lawn Saturday. There's not. A, no, I don't think they're going to win all these games. Well, okay. so how are you going to get your lawn raked? <laughs> DVR, or I wait till this. I wait till December, and they just hope by then the wind has blown them all away. Yeah. Okay. But you know the way they're playing football, and this is the same thing with with, an, with Iowa. There's not very. I mean, I kind of think Saturday for Iowa is rake your line against Ohio State, but there's not that many of them under Kirk Ferentz. Even in years where they're six and six, the way Iowa plays, you don't ever really think there's no way they could win that game. Well, right now with the way Iowa State is playing, you're not thinking. There's no way they can't win that game because there's no gimmick for the physically superior team to take away. Iowa State is just playing football, sound, fundamental football. That, they that, are. And I go back, the end of the Paul Rhodes era was too, really it ended. The Iowa game in 2015 is really when it ended. And, and, there was Iowa State had all the momentum early in that game. And you'll remember this. There's like a fourth and inch at like Iowa's 40-yard line. Do you remember this? What, which Rhodes year? Punted. That was 2015. Yes, 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 yes. All yes, roads yeah. punted. And, and, and I lost it. And then they, and Iowa State down the punt at like the half-yard line, and it looked like a brilliant play. Do you remember this? Yes. And C.J. Beathard then, when they almost had him for a safety, scrambled like 50 yards. 
Iowa went 99 yards for a touchdown, won that game. That was essentially the end of the Paul Rhodes era right there. Similar circumstance against TCU. Fourth and one inside their own 40 this time. And they go for it, and they get it. That sent a message right away to his team. And even though they were not offensively efficient the rest of the game, just as co- just as your players feed off of your passivity as a coach, they feed off of your confidence in them as well. And I thought that set the tone for the for for the way Iowa State played the rest of that game and was huge in them winning it. It, it was the idea that we're different. This is not same old Iowa State. We're not looking down at our jerseys. We're a good football team. We're, we're going to break through all of that mental concrete. Now, I, I don't think they're going to win all these games and be in the Big 12 championship game. But you know what? I, I, for a team that three Thursday nights ago looked like it was circling the drain, I think eight and four is possible. Nine and three is possible. That's a damn good season, man. I just used a quick Twitter search for September of 2015 from you. Here's what you tweeted out when Paul Rhodes did that. Get a good look at Paul Rhodes, Iowa fans. You won't be coaching against him next year. (laughs) Well, there you go. Every now and then I get one right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now you mentioned that that, uh, Matt Campbell – Certainly, uh, he certainly is going to be in the running for national coach of the year. There's no question about that. We talked about Scott Frost. We talked about what Nebraska has to do, and this is a college football pod- podcast, and and it's it's a it's a topic and it's a trend and it's somewhat local. Mm-hmm. Matt Campbell's star is continuing to rise now. Matt Campbell has a very expensive buyout. Over it's almost nine million, $10 million. Yeah, yeah, it's over nine million dollars. Chris Williams from Cyclone Fanatic wrote all that out the other day. Uh, you obviously would really need to believe that Matt Campbell is your guy. And next year he's going to be a couple of million dollars cheaper on the buyout. But you got to think Matt Campbell's getting paid this year one way or another. Uh, Jamie's going to need to rework a deal um, or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, do you think a Nebraska looks at a Matt Campbell? If I were Matt Campbell right now, I'd take a long, hard look at Willie Taggart. Here's what, I, here's what I mean by that. Willie Taggart last year was um, the coach at South Florida. And he took a program that had gotten off to – had been built by um, uh, his predecessor, uh, who's now the defensive coordinator at, uh, at Oregon, actually, for Willie Taggart. <clears throat> but remember, they had gotten all the way to number two in the country – and he had lost that gig with, you know, being a little too intense with how he was treating players. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then they had to build the program back up, and Willie Taggart had to rebuild that program. And um, he took the Oregon job after his first big season at South Florida. Well, they're sitting there at Oregon, and I think, what are they, four and four, five and three? Now, is that a better job than South Florida? No doubt. But if Willie Taggart had stayed at South Florida one more year, he'd be the next coach at Florida right now. Right. Is Florida a better job than Oregon? I think to a guy that's down there, sure it is. Yeah. So when you talk about a guy, first of all, black head coach from your own state runs an exciting brand of offense that checks every box, man. Every single box. 
if you're the University of Florida. You take them away from a big in-state school that can admit anybody at South Florida, so you're not recruiting against him now either. That checks every single box. <coughs> Nebraska's a better job than Iowa State. But I'm not sure it's really that great of a job that it's worthy of that move right now. As I pointed out last week, the Big 12, since its inception, has always had room for a traditional bottom feeder to be a uh, an upper-tier competitive program, whether that's been Kansas State, whether that's been Baylor, whether that's been Kansas. The one school that has not gotten its turn yet is Iowa State. And if you look at all those schools I just talked about, they're all in flux. Kansas is a doormat. Uh, Kansas State's on the last end of the Bill Snyder era. And remember the stat I gave our audience last week, 381 is their all-time winning percentage in games not coached by Bill Snyder. Okay, um, Baylor is in a nuclear winner right now. Iowa State has the third largest, even TCU, a traditional bottom feeder, was, was you know, arguably should have been in the college football playoff a few years ago. So Iowa State is the third largest on-campus uh, stadium in the conference right now. There's no reason why. And their recruiting bases aren't any different than the rest of these other schools in many respects. Yeah, Baylor's in Texas, but until they dramatically lowered their standards to bring felons in, they weren't out. Rec- they couldn't recruit the state. They're a private Baptist school with higher academic standards. Kansas State, yeah, the JUCOs are in Kansas, but the JUCOs were the JUCOs didn't just show up in Kansas when Bill Snyder did in 1992. They were there all along, and they sucked then as well. You know, Kansas is a big in-state brand in basketball. They've never really been able to translate that to football. There's no reason why it can't be their turn to have lightning in a bottle. A lot of this team is back next year. So if I'm Matt Campbell, if Florida or Tennessee offer me a gig, man, I think I have to say yes to that. I I, I have to. I don't have to say yes to Nebraska. I want to be the guy not named Scott Frost after he spurned them. I go in there with an AD pushing 70. No way, man. I got an AD right now that will go to war for me, give me everything I want that he could they could possibly he could afford. Right? I, if, so if it's Florida or it's Tennessee, I, I think you probably have to go. Anything short of that, though, you know, to me, Matt Campbell's in a great position, John. I have I go home and I go home to my wife. I have I have the when, whenever they call, it's the old Bear Bryant line. Why did I leave Texas A&M to go to Alabama? When Mama calls, you go. All right. So if I'm Matt Campbell, I go home to Mrs. Campbell. I got the when mama when mama calls list. All right. Anything short of that list. If they're not not if they're better than Iowa State, if they're not on the if mama calls list, I don't go because I got a good team coming back next year. And if we're this good again next year, somebody on the if mama calls list is going to call. And he's probably going to be five to six million dollars richer just from what Iowa State will give him in a race over five or six years i think so at any rate um last thing well let, let's finish up in the big 10 before we go a little farther out and then wrap this up you sent me a note your predicted finish for the rest of the year in the big 10 you've got ohio state 9 and 0 11 and 1 uh and then in the big 10 west you've got wisconsin 8 and 1 and 11 and 1 you have iowa 6 and 6 by the way and you have Ohio State beating Wisconsin for the Big Ten title, so that sends the Buckeyes to the playoff. Wisconsin and Penn State, New Year's Six. Michigan uh, below the cut for the New Year's Six. 
Barkley and Bennett invited to New York for the Heisman, and Barkley wins it. Well, you tell me. Do you see anything you dramatically disagree with? No, I mean you've got Penn State at eight and one, eleven and one, finishing out. Michigan nine and three. Michigan's schedule isn't very strong the rest of the way that it has them. So, do you have what Michigan at nine and three? Do you have them losing to Ohio State? Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, them I, losing I, I to think, Ohio State. I, I think if JT Barrett's going to play like that, I. I I think I think if Penn State had beaten Ohio State on Saturday, there'd be a decent chance Michigan could pull it upset there because that game would actually mean more to Michigan because Ohio State's basically out of it. But with Ohio State playing for a championship, if JT Barrett's going to play anything close to that, you're going to need to have elite-level quarterback play to beat them. We don't have that. I do think, and I'm not overreacting to Rutgers. Here's what I'm. Here's what I'm. When I, I'm, we I, we have competency. Brandon Peters had a 98 or 96 QBR on Saturday. When we put up 33 points against Florida, Wilton Spade's QBR was 28. 98 is by far the highest, or 96 is by far the highest QBR a Michigan quarterbacks had this year. And even uh, John O'Corn's QBR was substantially lower than that when he had the 270 yards against Purdue. It's the highest QBR The difference between what Brandon Peters did and what O'Corn did is O'Corn was playing street ball. Peters was actually running the offense. If he can be competent, I just need him to be competent, man. I, I don't need him to be Andrew Luck as a redshirt freshman. He ain't Sam Darnold. If he can just be competent, I think we're going to beat Wisconsin. Because I think the kind of defense we play, while it's a bad matchup against Penn State, it's a bad matchup for Wisconsin. Because they're not going to run the football on us, and I just don't believe they have a passing game where they're going to make three or four throws in those windows against man coverage to beat us. I don't. But to win that game, we have to have a quarterback that can at least be competent. So Wisconsin has to respect us. And I'm hoping we may finally have that. If we don't, then we won't win that game. If we do, I think we will. Georgia looks like a house. Notre Dame beats NC State 35-14. Right now... Who would be your final four playoff teams? Georgia put up 42 points on their biggest rival, and they completed four passes. I doubt that's happened in major college football since Jamel Holloway was at Oklahoma, and they were running a triple option. I would put Georgia number one. Now, my eyes tell me Alabama's better, but when I look at the resume, Georgia's is better. Uh, that Georgia has the best non-conference win in college football this season right now, I think. And that's the win at South Bend. And if it's not number one, then it's it's number two behind Oklahoma's win at Ohio State. So what about Iowa that. State's win at Oklahoma? Well, I said non-conference win, though. Oh, I said okay. non-conference Sorry about that. There you go. And, and then when you look at what their, their conference, what they're doing against conference foes is every bit as dominant as what Ohio State is doing. I'm sorry, what Alabama's doing in the SEC. So I would, my eyes tell me Alabama's number one, but the resume tells me Georgia ought to be number one. But the good news is those two teams, I think, will settle it on the right. field here when we get to Atlanta in December. So Georgia, Alabama, and then Ohio State, and who's the other for the Final Four? I don't think Ohio State will be anything close to the Final Four on Tuesday. I don't. No, I, I, meant, I, I meant like end At of the, the end year. of the year? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the year, I don't think Georgia and Alabama will both go. I think the winner will go. The loser will not. Hmm. Um, I think the winner of the Big Ten will go. Um, 
Well, let me say this. If Notre Dame loses another game, then I think it becomes possible for the Georgia-Alabama loser to go. But I think it's a much tougher sell to get the loser of a conference championship game on a neutral field as the second team in than it is a team that loses on the road in its own conference um, in a close game like what Penn State just did. But the problem Penn State has is they don't have a signature non-conference victory. So I think the Big 12 is a mess, man. I do. I think yeah. that I, I don't I don't think anybody wins out in that conference. I think Iowa TCU State wrecked it again. Yeah, they well they did. I think TCU will lose another time. Um I think Oklahoma will lose to Oklahoma State on Saturday. And that'll be their second loss. I don't think it's out of it that a two loss team is going to get into the playoff at all. I don't. I think I think outside of Georgia and Alabama, and they they still have to play each other, outside of those two, man, I think it's I think it's wide open, wide open. I, I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee Clemson wins out. I don't, I don't think Miami's that good. I just think they're finding ways to win games. So here's what I would tell everybody. Cause we're, here's what's going to happen is on Tuesday, we're all going to lose our collective poop. That's what's going to happen. All right. Keep in mind that last year, Texas A&M was in the, the top four of the first playoff rankings. They didn't make the playoff. Three years ago, the very first ever playoff rankings, as I said earlier, Mississippi State was number one. Didn't make the playoffs. All right, so before we all lose our collective poop, keep in mind a lot of these conferences, particularly the SEC and the Big 12, are backloading their schedules to get as many teams as high into the rankings as they possibly can. There's a lot. That means, John, there's a lot of football yet to be played. So just chill out and let the season play out and enjoy it. We don't have to lose our collective poop on Tuesday, even though I know nobody will heed my warning. Yeah, and that, let that be the last collective poop reference I ever hear. It's grossing <laughs> me out. All right, uh, you're right. That will happen. And that makes it fun. Makes it fun. That'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Thank you to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags and Exile Brewing Company for their continued support of our efforts. And thank you for listening. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you Thursday.